If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. to you and welcome to CBS This Morning. It's Thursday, July 29th, 2021. I'm Gail King. That's Anthony Mason. That's Jerika Duncan. Yay. Tony DeCoble is on Baby League. Let's go. We're going to begin with the increasingly urgent push to get more Americans to please do their part to prevent a surge of unnecessary, the word is unnecessary, COVID deaths this fall. President Biden is expected to announce later today that for the first time, all federal workers must get vaccinated or follow very strict protocols. Also, masks will now be required for everybody, including visitors inside federal buildings and COVID hotspots. That lines up with the new CDC guidance advising people to wear masks indoors in high transmission areas, even if you've been vaccinated. Nancy Cordes is at the White House with more on this story. Nancy, good morning to you. Do you think this could have an effect on the private sector as well? No question, Gail, that this will set a precedent for states and cities and companies across the country because what we're talking about here is the entire federal workforce, about 2 million people from coast to coast, plus contractors who would all be required to either show proof of vaccination or submit to regular testing. Now, this would actually be a little less restrictive than the policy that Facebook and Google announced yesterday. Both of those tech giants say, all of their employees who come to work in person will have to be vaccinated, period, unless they can't for medical reasons. Now, this all comes on the heels of new guidance from the CDC recommending that even vaccinated people return to wearing masks indoors in the many parts of the country where COVID cases are on the rise. Interestingly, White House officials say that yesterday they saw the highest number of new vaccinations all month, more than 750,000 doses nationwide, a sign perhaps that news of these impending restrictions and fears of the Delta variant are causing at least a few more people, Gail, to go ahead and get their shots. Or fears of I don't want to die. Nancy, before you go, can we talk about the, this major new deal on the infrastructure? So there's been yes. months of negotiations. We're now hearing that 550 with a B deal, 50, $550 billion worth of new spending over five years. So what happens next? How is this going to work? So this brand new deal passed a very major hurdle last night when two-thirds of the Senate, a bipartisan group of senators, voted to begin consideration of the bill. And that is a very good sign. This is a deal between the White House, Democrats, and Republicans in the Senate. It would sink an extra $110 billion into roads, bridges, and other major projects. It would pour about the same amount into rail and public transit. 
plus billions more for broadband, airports, drinking water, and the electrical grid. A good chunk of this new plan would be paid for with unspent COVID funds and unemployment funds. Uh, but this bill is still being written, Gail. We've got weeks to go before a final vote in the Senate. So uh, still a lot to watch in this view. Well, we know you're there. Thank you very much, Nancy. In Louisiana, school-aged children now make up the third largest number of new COVID infections in the state. More than 2,000 new cases were reported among children ages 5 to 17 during one week in July. Overall, the state is seeing eight times more cases than just four weeks ago. Our lead national correspondent, David Begno, is at Children's Hospital, New Orleans. David, good morning. Good morning. We're inside the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit. It's the largest hospital in Louisiana for peds. There are two others, but they have more patients here than anywhere else. The youngest is a 23-month-old baby girl in the room right behind our camera. And behind me is a 17-year-old young man. Now, with his blessing and his mother's permission, we're going to tell you their story. We met them last night in the emergency room. <coughs> This is Jacques Lee. He has COVID. He's 17, 6'2", 365 pounds. He's a high school football player. What are you struggling with? Uh, breathing, major headaches, you know, like, uh, and coughing too. When we got to his room, the nurse told us that he had been in the emergency room waiting for more than nine hours. Hopefully soon he'll go up to a room. I know they're working on it. They ended up having to wait more than 14 hours to get him a bed in the ICU. Fatina Watkins is his mother. She told us that he started feeling sick about seven days ago. It started when we went out to eat at a fast food restaurant. We sat down and we ate inside, which we shouldn't have did. Miss Watkins is fully vaccinated, and her son received his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine three weeks ago. I just thank God that I did get the first vaccination for him, you know, because it could be way worse than what it is now. For her, being here is like reliving a nightmare. Two years ago, her four-year-old daughter, Rain Marie, was treated at this very same hospital for RSV, and she died. This is the largest children's hospital in Louisiana. The COVID case rate here among pediatric patients has jumped just in the last week. What's the current situation? The situation is dire. Dr. Mark Klein, a world-renowned expert in infectious diseases, is the physician in chief here. On Monday, we had four hospitalized patients with COVID. Today, we have 17, including four in our intensive care unit for children and one in our newborn intensive care unit. What do you say to the folks who watch this who say, yeah, but kids are, you know, only slightly affected? This Delta variant that we're seeing now changes the game from my perspective. The children are more ill. They require higher levels of care. And sadly, I think we're going to be seeing more deaths over the coming weeks. Are you scared? No. His mother told us Jacquez is a fighter. Having this virus is very overwhelming. So it's best to take care of yourself and to be safe because it's really not worth it. Watching your loved ones suffer when it could, all could have been avoided. 
Jacquez right now is stable, and we're told his condition is about the same as it was last night when we met them in the emergency room. You know, his mom was saying, David, he's supposed to start school in two weeks here in New Orleans, but she said, given everything he's dealing with right now, she said, I'm too worried, so <clears throat> I'm not going to send him back to school. She said, I'm going to keep him home, and we'll do remote learning instead. Jerika? David, wow. We're, our prayers are with the family for sure. Thank you. The rise of the Delta variant is forcing some tough decisions at the state level. Nevada issued an emergency directive this week mandating masks indoors in 12 counties. In California, indoor masks are a recommendation in all but two counties where they are required. Anna Warner spoke to the governors of those states, Steve Sisolak and Gavin Newsom, as they surveyed wildfire damage. Do you believe that the mask mandate is going to work? in light of the Delta variant? Or are you worried that it's not gonna be enough? Well, I'm clearly worried and you don't know if it's ever gonna be enough, but I'm confident that it'll work and I'm confident we're throwing everything we can at this uh, virus. Both these governors say that while masks are an important tool, they're focused on increasing vaccination rates to prevent future surges and keep the economy open. We're putting everything we can, non-pharmaceutical interventions like wearing face coverings, as well as dealing uh, with the biggest challenge we have in this country, and that's the misinformation. So we're actually going door to door in our under-vaccinated communities, but we need to do more on the education front. California will require masks in schools this fall. It's proven to be a touchy issue for Governor Newsom, who's the target of a September recall campaign. Just this week, a parent advocacy group that's suing Newsom's administration over school masking rules says they found a photo online of Newsom's son with other kids maskless indoors at a basketball summer camp. In a statement, the governor's spokesperson said the Newsoms had missed an email saying the camp would not enforce masking guidance and pulled their children out. But Newsom told us. My son went to camp with his mask on. He took it off for a photo, had it in his hand, uh, and we pulled him out of the camp. Uh, you want to attack me, attack me. Don't attack my son. A new poll found that likely voters were almost evenly split along party lines on whether to keep Newsom in office. We're going to defeat it. It's a partisan Republican-backed recall. Sisolak has also faced criticism for weighing in on reopening decisions when he promised to give control to county officials. And the pandemic continues to potentially impact the political futures of both as they decide what measures are enough to control the virus. Will both of you rule out shutdowns again. I don't think that we can rule out anything at this time. We're studying the science. We're following the science. We don't ever want to go back uh, to physical distancing, social distancing and mandates. We can end this pandemic in this country once and for all in a matter of weeks by simply doing the one thing that we have in abundance, and that's taking advantage of these life-saving drugs, these vaccines. For CBS This Morning, Anna Werner, Gardnerville, Nevada. Now to some breaking news out of Tokyo for you, where a U.S. poll vaulter that Sam Kendricks has tested positive for COVID. That means he is now out of the Olympics. It wasn't all bad news, though, for Team USA, as swimmer Caleb Dressel won another gold and set a new Olympic record. Go, Caleb. Jamie Yukas is in Tokyo covering the Olympics. Jamie, I remember when you introduced us to Caleb. It's so great to see him doing so well. Oh, we were cheering big time in our hotel room watching him today, Gail. We do have to talk about this, though. More than 50 members of the Australian track and field team had to briefly quarantine after some of them came in contact with Kendricks, who you were just talking about. He is now in isolation. Meanwhile, Team USA is making a big splash in the pool. Caleb Dressel from the United States is going to win gold up there in lane five. 
Dressel set an Olympic record of 47.02 seconds to win gold in the men's 100 free final. He was quickly overcome with emotion as he spoke to loved ones, including his parents and new bride. When we talked to him before the games, he told us how much he values those closest to him. I want to make my inner circle proud, and sometimes it's not always about going fast. It's just making them proud in whatever manner I can do that. Fellow swimmer Robert Fink also received a gold medal after his stunning last-minute comeback in the men's 800-meter freestyle. While on the women's side, Reagan Smith and Haley Flickener ended a 21-year drought, winning the silver and bronze in the women's 200-meter butterfly. They're the first U.S. women to medal in the event since 2000. However, gymnast Simone Biles is still the most talked about story after her withdrawal from this week's competitions to protect her mental health. It resonates with 1996 gold medal gymnast Dominique Mochianu, who posted this Instagram video of when she hit her head on the balance beam during the Atlanta Games, her right leg bandaged due to a stress fracture. In the post, Mochiano says Biles' decision demonstrates that we have a say in our own health, a say I never felt I had as an Olympian. Amy Borman coached Biles for 12 years, including when she won gold in Rio. She hopes Biles' withdrawal from the competition has a positive impact on athletes going forward. Do you think that this is really kind of a watershed moment, that this, this could potentially change the sport forever? Yes, I'm really hoping that it does. You don't have to wear this thick skin all the time. It's okay to be human and have these human moments. And sometimes they happen at inopportune times, but it's okay. It doesn't matter when they happen. You're still human at the end of the day. Biles acknowledged the response from people inside and out of the sports world. She tweeted last night, the outpouring of love and support I've received has made me realize I'm more than my accomplishments in gymnastics, which I never truly believed before. Jerika. Jamie, as you mentioned, Amy Borman coached uh, Simone for 12 years. Has she seen this before where Simone needed to take a break? Well, that she coached her for 12 years, and she said occasionally she would get these things called the twisties, where her body and her brain were just not aligning. So Simone wouldn't get hurt. Amy says that they would stop, they would move on to other training, and that obviously this is an inopportune time to have this happen, but yeah. she has seen it before. She's proud of Simone for stopping and saying what she needs, and she wants people to know that really with this condition, Jerika, mm -hmm. it's really a day-by-day -day decision if she's ready to compete. All right, we're pulling for Jamie Yukis in Tokyo. Thank you. Turning back to the U.S., Florida's Gulf Coast is being hit hard this summer by what's known as a red tide, an algae bloom that can kill fish and make it hard for humans to breathe. It stretches nearly 100 miles along the state's west coast and is hurting businesses during the peak of the summer tourism season. Environmental correspondent Ben Tracy got an up-close look at the worst effects. Dude, this is nuts. Local fishermen are documenting the devastation from the red tide that has washed over Tampa Bay. This is an absolute nightmare. Tyler Capello runs a fishing charter business. He took us out on the water to see it for ourselves. That was a nice, big, beautiful cobia. Dead fish everywhere, killed by the massive algae bloom that has at times turned the water toxic, scared away tourists, and appears to be forcing these baby sharks to swim up canals, fleeing for their lives. What is this meant for your business? That's 12, 1500 bucks a day in my pocket, and now I'm doing zero. 
Capella even covered himself in dead fish and posted it on Instagram to raise awareness. Do I have your attention now? Many Floridians are worried not just about their waterways, but also their own airways. There are days that I can't walk to the end of my street because I'm already coughing. Red tides do naturally occur here. But scientists believe warming ocean waters due to climate change may be making them more frequent. This spring, a breach at an old phosphate pit sent more than 200 million gallons of polluted water into Tampa Bay. The last severe red tide bloom was just three years ago. We would have expected 10 years to go by before we see something like this. Tyler Capella fears red tides will eventually sink his business. Are you worried about your livelihood? Oh, 100%. And eventually, the whole area is going to become a dead zone. For CBS This Morning, Ben Tracy, Tampa Bay. Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.